Welcome back to the big program. Let's go in the community for United Sport and Cycle, a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona. United has been supporting hockey and our community for over 95 years as we welcome in Adam Surgery, GM of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Adam, welcome back to the program. We're off to a good start in Sherwood Park. How did uh, the first uh, couple weeks of the season, how have they been going for you? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, the uh, the start of the, the first few weeks here has been good. I mean, we've gotten off to a nice start, which is always good. It always kind of, what we like to say is just buy us some time within our development process. We've talked about, you know, just really being diligent with sticking to our plan within the first few months here to make sure that, you know, our guys are getting all the information they need. And uh, when you're winning hockey games, it certainly helps with, uh, you know, certainly helps you with, with staying on track and not having to, you know, put extra pressure on yourself or, you know, try to try to pivot into a different direction. So, you know, the plan's working so far and, you know, we're happy with the start that we're off to. Adam Surgery is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, GM of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Carey along with David Schlemko, our co-host on Wednesdays 9 to 11. And uh, Adam uh, Schlemmer has uh, some ties to one of your players. He used to coach him. Go ahead, Schlemmer. Hey, yeah, I had uh, Brock Such with me at the U16 level at NAX a couple years ago. Uh, Seeing that he committed to St. Cloud last year and had a great start to the year this year, it looks like. Uh, nine goals in ten games. Um, I know when I had him, I thought he was the best player in our league. Um, really cerebral player, smart player, sees the ice really well. Uh, creative with the puck um, just want to know maybe a little bit of your opinion on him and how he's been there so far no you you're spot on he's a really cerebral hockey player that um you know Sachi right now he's got the hot hand uh he doesn't need three chances he just needs one chance to put it in the back of the net um you know Sachi's been uh he's like how we talk about Sachi. he's just a hockey player like he lives and breathes hockey man he comes from a hockey family dad played at a high level his brother currently plays pro like you can just see how much he eats sleep hockey um you know and it's it's why he's such a fit within you know our organization is you know we want guys like that they're culture drivers and so you know for brock like he he had a great first year um you know in the second half last year he started to play on our first power play unit where our power play had struggled a little bit uh throughout the year and you know as a 16 year old when he jumped on our first power play unit like we we immediately became a better power play uh, with him there and you know he's building off of that this year he's you know he's due to have a big year and we're excited for him awesome. Adam Surgery is our guest uh, sorry Schlemmer Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on Sports 1440 so um when you look at uh, some of your other players that have kind of shown the way and, and, and led the way for the Crusaders, can you kind of touch on some of the guys that have uh, resulted in you being off to a good start here at the 10-game point of the season? Yeah, our goalie, Eric Roost, um, you know, he's a huge part of our team and our team's success. He's, you know, not just an, a, a good hockey player, but he's an elite human. Um, you know, he's just, he, he's another guy that, there's no detail that's overlooked by him. Um, you know, he, he leads the way with his preparation every day. So he's been a big part of it, you know, on our back end with, you know, guys like Cole Saley, Kate Christensen, Dominic Payne, you know, Tate Ross, like guys like that have been really instrumental to our team success. And, you know, you're going to keep hearing me use the word culture, but, you know, that's, that's what we're really trying to establish here and they're drivers of it up front. You know, our captain and Logan Hauer and, 
guys like Zach Maxwell that are 20 years old, you know, they bring it every day. They're working hard. Um, you know, we, we've, we've just got a really good group of guys that it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to spend time around them because you, when you're around them, you just see how committed they are and how hard they work. And you can't help but pull for guys like that because, you know, they're, you, they're so determined and committed to, you know, to, to getting to the next level. So, um, you, you really, it's, it's just, it's an environment that you're really proud to be around every day because of how hard and how much time they put into, you know, their craft. You mentioned the word culture a couple of times. That seems to be kind of a huge word in hockey nowadays. I know even at NAX and the, the younger level when I'm coaching there, um, that's what our manager is talking about is building the culture, building the culture. Um, so when you're talking about that, how exactly do you go about building that? Is it, especially from the start of the year, is it mostly come from the leadership group? Is it team building? Um, do you have to have the right mix of older and younger guys? Like, what's the recipe to a great culture? Yeah, I think it starts with it starts from the top, right? And the expectation from day one that I, I told our guys is that you know it's about getting better every day. How do we get better every day? Um, and it's the same thing I told our coaching staff. Like, I'll put my head on the pillow at night and sleep fine, you know, if we lose two, three games in a row. But knowing that, you know, our guys are putting in the work every day, they're showing up on time. Like, our guys show up to the rink at 8.30. At 8.45, they're, you know, they're getting their bodies and their minds ready. They're on the ice from 9.45 to 12.30. They're in the gym. They're doing video. Our school guys are in the classroom. They go work out after school. So, you know, we're, we're keeping them stimulated throughout the day, but it's, you know, what the environment is, is forcing them to really be mindful of is how they take care of themselves every day. Um, it's, it's forcing them to be at their best every day because we have such a good team and we have, you know, what I feel is a deep team. You know, if you're not at your best today, like you might not get into the lineup tomorrow or, have an opportunity tomorrow right so it forces them to be internally competitive and you know when we talk about culture it's just it's being at your best every day we feel like the best team building you can have is is surrounding each other with like-minded people like we have guys that all have the same goals of wanting to get to the NCAA so they understand like if they go to school you know they're going to be in the gym every day they're going to be on the ice for a couple hours every day they're you know they're going to be in the classroom, so they're going to be doing video, and you know there's there's an environment that we've had to create, which is going to force them to you know to to, to work hard in everything they do because when they get to the next level, I mean like mm-hmm. let's face it, like these guys are getting scholarships that are worth hundred thousand to half a million dollars, to, depending on what school you go to. So they they're not there to mess around. Like they have to be good students and they have to be good hockey players if if they're gonna you know if they're gonna live through the they're gonna live through those their commitments of four years. So they they have to be at their best every day and you know that's what we challenge them with. And because we have a group that's like minded and they're they're really good kids um, and just so happen to be really good hockey players. Like that, that's been the foundation of our culture. Sherwood sure, Park Crusaders GM Adam Surgery is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Uh, when you mentioned uh, Eric Roost, uh, any connection to Stacy Roost, the old uh, NHLer there? Yeah, so that's his, uh, that's his uncle. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. That's quite the yeah, that's good bloodlines uh, for yep. sure. So uh, you did mention as well that a lot of. Um, I guess players have committed already to NCAA uh, scholarships. Do you have a number on that and kind of what's the process in that, Adam? 
Yeah, so we've had ten guys uh, on our current roster that have uh, that have played NCAA or that have not not played, sorry, yeah. that have committed to NCAA scholarship, and um, you know we have uh, and a couple guys right now that are due for some fly downs uh, this month. So we should see a couple more here by the end of the month, and you know there's a, a handful of other guys that are just uh, in conversations and you know kind of going back and forth with schools and building their relationships and, you know, schools kind of doing their due diligence on some other guys. So, you know, we're really excited for the group. Um, you know, like I said, it, it, what it's showing them is that their work is paying off. So with these scholarships, um, does that kind of create some internal competition as well? Like you see your teammates getting a fly down or a scholarship. Do you think that kind of lights a little bit of a fire under the rest of the guys too? I mean, I wasn't a junior A guy, but I remember – when guys were getting drafted to the NHL or signed, it kind of made me want to push a little harder, mm. gave me a little more self-belief that maybe I could do the same thing. Is that kind of the way it works uh, with the Crusaders and the college commitments? Yeah, I think you, you definitely see a sense of competitiveness for that stuff, right? But I think the the most important thing, um, you know, that you see inside the room is the joy for one another. Um, when these things are happening, so That's you know as, as they are competitive. They want to, you know, everybody wants, um, you know, a scholarship. That it's, it's why we've built the team the way it has. We don't have you know any ex Western Hockey League players, and right or wrong, like we we just we we've gone down a route this year of just trying and testing it out of what it can be like. You know, if we just have all guys that are, are striving for the same type of goal, and you can see it. It's definitely competitive. There's a lot of talk in the room, and you know, especially at the showcase last mm-hmm. week where. You know, all the schools are there, and schools are pulling players out of the room. You can you can kind of just see all the guys perk up in their in their uh, in their seats when you know coaches are coming in and, and pulling players. And you can see the disappointment in some guys too. So, right. um, you know, we have to work with them too to reassure them that you know it's not the end all be all here or six games into the year at the time. So, you know, we're we're in a good spot. What was the showcase like? I mean, that's uh, that's uh, one-stop shopping. Uh, how how does it work for the kids? Again, they're they got to be wide-eyed, and they, you know, you you want to have a good showing in the two three days that you're down there, or four days, I guess. But uh, what was the showcase like at Max Bell Arena? It was really well ran. The Canucks did an excellent job of uh, of hosting it. Uh, you know, from the entertainment side of things, the um, you know the way that they uh, they took care of uh, the hospitality side of things for for the schools and 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 for the teams when <clears throat> when they were playing they did an excellent job on that side of things but yeah like you know we had a plan going in there that no matter what all our players were going to get at least one game in mm-hmm. um, so we wanted to showcase all our players in front of the schools and you know that that meant um, some players uh, having to sacrifice um, you know some some opportunity for some other players and, you know, giving a little bit to their teammates. So, you know, we've at, we asked some players that were already committed, um, you know, to take a seat and, and, you know, provide opportunity to the guys in front of the schools because it's rare that, you know, you're going to get that many schools uh, watching, you know, the team at once. Um, so, you know, we, we had to have a lot of conversation and making sure we get ahead of, you know these the, the the disappointments in some of the players because obviously they want to play both games they're competitive they they don't want to give up opportunity but you know again a credit to our guys like you know they were they were happy for the players that that showed well and we're happy to to give those players an opportunity especially the ones that already have a commitment they they're really good about it and we're able to to manage uh, some of the uh, 
some of the the noise uh, that typically comes around that type of stuff. So you know, our guys were were really good about it. The showcase was a great opportunity to get in front of them, and uh, and I'm sure that you know, like I said, some of these guys getting fly downs right now is is a product of you know the showcase uh, doing its job for them. So, Adam, could you maybe explain the process a little bit for our listeners and maybe even us as well? Um, I know the rules are a little bit different um, with the NCAA. Or you, I've heard like you, you can't have an agent. It's supposed to be an advisor. And what's the difference in that? And what are the kind of the rules with these schools on when or how much they can talk to these kids and what they can offer them? Yeah, so like you, you, you're right in terms of the advisor standpoint. I don't know how much you know it's followed to a T with, but it's all in kind of the wording. You're right as far as it being an advisor that they help guide the player. Essentially, they're not um, they're not being paid anything. They're not giving. Yeah, they're just they're, they're just advising them and helping them. Um, schools aren't allowed to talk to a player until they're in. Uh, I think it's January 1st of their grade 11 year is when they can make first contact with okay. direct contact with the player. They can talk to the parents. They can, you know, they can have conversations with the advisors, but they can't be in direct contact with the player until um, January of their grade 11 uh, school year. Um, and then th- th- what happens a lot of times here with the schools is, you know, they 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 build relationships. They they're you know very similar to how we recruit because there's no draft or level. It's like we you just you put an emphasis on building relationships. Um, the schools will a lot of times lean on you know they they have their teams that obviously they they've got a better relationship than others and um, they'll they'll lean on those coaches. They'll lean on you know specific leagues. You know, there's certain teams that will that that really like to recruit out of the AGHL because of the mix of skill and grit that our league has. There's some schools that'll prefer you know a different league like the BCHL because maybe it's a little bit more skilled and it's a little bit more emphasis on skating. Um, you know, whatever that might be, like those are the schools will kind of have their they'll have their areas that uh, that they'll they'll spend more time in. Um, and then yeah, like I said, from there it, it comes down to building relationships sometimes they have to expedite their process a little bit more because uh, specific players get more attention um, from um, you know from other schools um, you know it's interesting like I watched some schools come down near our dressing room and they wouldn't they didn't talk to any players mm. but <laughs> what they did was they're gathering information in terms of which players are getting getting attention yeah so they're kind of just hiding in the weeds and they don't want to show their cards but they're just they're just watching and seeing who's getting pulled out of the room who's having conversations and they're just doing their due diligence yeah. and those are typically some of the bigger schools that don't want to as they as soon as the bigger schools get involved then you know well, what we would what i would you know what you would consider a smaller school is you know now having to you know expedite their process and get on certain players a little bit quicker. So the bigger schools won't, won't show their cards. They'll, they'll hide. And, you know, when it's time to kind of mm-hmm. come out and, and go after somebody, then, then they're all in. A little sneaky for sure. Um, yeah. yeah Adam, for sure. Adam, Adam surgery. Uh, what's uh, the uh, Crusaders schedule coming up here? So Friday night, we've got, uh, we've got Drayton Valley in Drayton Valley. And then Saturday night, we're at home against Camrose. So that'll be our weekend uh, games. And then next week, I think we're on the road uh, in Olds on Wednesday and then back at home for two games 
uh, on the following weekend. Well, you guys are off to a fantastic start. Keep her going. We'll talk to you in the next uh, little bit, and uh, good luck uh, in the next little while here. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate this. Thanks, Adam. Uh, all right, that's Adam Surgery, GM of the Sherwood Park Crusaders for In the Community. Uh, hockey days are on at United Sport and Cycle, where you can save up to 35% off United Sport and Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years. When we come back, well, he's basically David Schlemko's workout partner. Jordan Martinuk, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes and a former AJHLer, played yep. one year in Drayton Valley. We'll talk to Jordan Martinuk when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Kevin Carries along with David Schlemko, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Cougar Collision. Com. Time now for the uh, puck report. Uh, right now, during the uh, Road Ready Sales event at Fountain Tire, you can save up to 25% on select tires and a bonus of 50 bucks off any service until October 21st. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions apply as we welcome in Jordan Martinick of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Jordan, welcome to the show. You're with Kevin Carries and your old workout partner, David Schlemko, who's all morning been saying... The reason that Jordan Martinuk is where he is is because of the many hours of training and um, lifting and everything that we've done together over the years. Can that possibly be true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him that. That was a we had a great group there. So, uh, Schlemmer, uh, yeah, he he definitely helped me get to where I am and. Uh, definitely had a lot of fun nights out of the gym with him as well. <laughs> I didn't say that, Marty. <laughs> well, I'm saying it. <laughs> so how you doing, buddy? Getting ready for the good, good. Uh, home opener tonight? You guys got Columbus? Ottawa. We got Ottawa. Ottawa. Sorry. I yeah. saw Corpusello. I forgot he, he moved. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's always fun. Home openers are... You get through the first whatever five minutes of the, the song and dance and announcing your name, and then you just get to go back playing. So uh, excited, going to pick my kids up, and then have a nice nap and get ready to roll. Well, uh, in case you didn't know, the uh, Ottawa Senators are dressing a little bit lesser of a lineup tonight. I'm not sure if you probably guys have it up on the board already, uh, Jordan, but they've just got uh, 11 forward, six defensemen, 19-man roster tonight, uh, just a couple of injuries. So does that change at all when you're going into a, a game, first game of the year, you just want to uh, kind of get things going anyway? Like what's, what's it kind of when you see the board of the other team and the, uh, you know, on, the, on the whiteboard? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I feel like every guy in the league would say you look at your team more than you look at the other team. But um, obviously, they still have some. I think it just. It, honestly, it helps probably their bigger, bigger guys because they're going to play more, and mm-hmm. you, you got to they'll play against. I guess our our third, fourth lines more and stuff. And um, I don't think we. I'm not saying we don't really have much of a weakness. So. Um, mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll take whoever they send out at us, but um, yeah, it's. I think it's not ideal for them to start that way, but that's kind of the situation they're in, and hopefully we can take care of business. 
Now, in in the sense of um, coming off last year, you guys had such a close series uh, with Florida in the playoffs. I mean, every game decided by a goal. Um, we've always talked about the Oilers here and how the you know guys like Connor McDavid and thing. Everyone said over the course of the summer that they were so they've been just waiting to get back at things. Did you guys have that same sentiment over the summer where you were so close? Uh, you had the chance to maybe move on, um, but what's the mindset? I guess from last year going into this year? Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it definitely, you still think about how, how close you were and um, you're, but then you know there's a whole another 82 games that you got to get through to get back to have a chance to compete for it. So um, obviously you're, you look back and you felt like last year it was, it was good to get to where we were, but we didn't, I think our, our goal here for the last, three four years is to win the whole thing we haven't done that and um, getting close doesn't really doesn't really make it feel any better so um we got a we got a whole another 82 game season to get through and hopefully make uh make the playoffs and then obviously you've seen last year when you make it um anything can kind of happen so put ourselves in the best position moving forward into next year and or moving forward into the playoffs and then try and take care of business this year well, you guys are an exciting team to watch, that's for sure. Uh, skate really well, play a fast-paced game, um, lots of pressure in the forecheck and the neutral zone, it seems like. Um, so you played Dave Tippett hockey with the Coyotes for a number of years, and now with Rod the Bod there in Carolina. <laughs> um, can you just kind of speak to their different styles and um, you know, kind of what the biggest difference is? Um, the, I feel like the tip, the tip years, I was just trying to do what I could to stay in the league. And, um, was, uh, it was definitely tip tip was, uh, in his own right. He was, a, I, I felt like he was a good players guy. He, he would kind of tell you what you, you were doing, right. What you were doing wrong. And, um, I think Roddy's kind of similar in that sense, but there's more of a, I, a demand from Rod, I guess, to uh, you're you need to do it the right way, or else he'll find somebody else that's going to do it that way. And I think that's it, obviously it starts with him, but our our core group of people kind of do it the exact same way. And it starts with Aho and Stahl. Like these guys come and they work there. They're the hardest working guys on our team. And Svechnikov, like these guys, they, they set the tone for us. So um, to go out and have your top guys do it the exact same way as your fourth line or your sixth defenseman. It, it just kind of, it sets the tone and that's kind of the way, the way it's been since he took over. Jordan Martinick, uh, Carolina Hurricanes forward as our guest on the Kevin Carey show, along with David Schlemko on sports, uh, 1440. Have you played a lot more? Would you say with Jordan Stahl here in the last little bit? And do you see that kind of relationship moving forward a lot with uh, Jordan Stahl? Yeah, last year I was with him probably I did sixty five games I would say, and then he, me, and him killed penalties together. So um, definitely, definitely see a lot of him, and uh, it's nice to have him down the middle because he's probably one of the best defensive centers in the league. And um, and then I, I think I assisted. I think he had close to twenty last year, and I might have assisted on every one but two of them. So when I'm getting him the puck, he's, it's usually going in. So that's a nice thing to have. Uh, as for your center, and then uh, we have Jesper Fast on the right side for most of the year last year, and that's how it is looking like it's going to start this year. And um, 
just three guys that kind of do it the exact same way and uh, it's, it's easy to read off those guys when you kind of you know what they're going to do because if it was you they'd be doing the exact same thing. Hey Jordan, how how cool is it to have that familiarity from year to year? Because we see so many guys move around, the lines change. It's just kind of the way it is in today's NHL. But what's that kind of been like for you to have that? Uh, you know, those two guys, uh, you know, on, on the same line for a good part of, you know, better than a year here. Yeah, it, it just it just builds your confidence with each other, and um, just kind of you don't have to think twice about where a guy's going to be and. Um, don't get me wrong. If we're if we're not going wrong, Roddy likes to mix a, mix and match, and we'll be all over the map. But um, I think we're kind of like the kind of his safety blanket that he knows if if something's not going right or if he needs a line to go kind of turn turn the tide, he usually sends us out there. And, um, knowing that we're gonna kind of do it the way he wants us to do it every time is is nice to have. And those guys are they complement we complement each other really well. And I think it's just. It, to be able to have that continuity is, is huge, especially in today's game, like you said, when so many guys are moving around. Good steady veteran line there, hey? <laughs> All right, Marty, let's talk about yeah. some fun stuff here. Um, we kind of created a little crap storm here um, talking about the refs this morning. Uh, last night, kind of talking to Crosby and Bedard there, and then uh, – the ref in Vegas, too, saying it's going to be electric or something. Um, we're getting a lot of different opinions on that. First of all, what's your opinion on that? And second of all, something, I guess, a little bit related, uh, the storm surge. Kind of how did that happen and how did it carry on? And give us a little backstory and detail to that. Yeah, the the are you talking like the refs when they're saying, like, welcome to the NHL, the Bedard? Yeah, like yeah the, before Puck Drummond. Yeah, I, I, I think the refs like to show off a little bit too, so that's <laughs> they get their little bit of time. So whatever, if that's what they need to keep them happy, then by all means do it. <laughs> um, and then yeah, storm surge just kind of start. Well, it was my first year here. Um, we, the the team hadn't been very good, and they were talking about how to try and get more fan engagement, to get more people to stay till the end of the game. And if like, it, it all kind of started, if you're winning, like let's say you're up five, one or five, five, two, a lot of the times the building will clear out. People try and leave early and they wanted people to stay till the very end. And right. um, I think it was like Justin Williams and our owner and Roddy were like, let's try and do something different. And they talked about how Europe, after you win in Europe, they'll do like, these big things in Europe and that's how it started the beginning of the beginning of it. We were doing these elaborate skits and, yeah. um, <laughs> and then, and then it just is kind of turned into, we just clap around center ice and kind of do, do some things here and there, but it's, it, it, it's hard to, we almost need like a choreographer to come and <laughs> that's what we told them. You can't, it's not sustainable. So we, it's definitely kind of, fizzled out but it's still nice for the fans to have something to do after the game and um it, it doesn't really change our we go stand around center ice and clap for five ten seconds yeah. and that's about it and um it keeps the fans happy and keeps them engaged and i think it's kind of expected down here now <laughs> yeah what was it what was the craziest one or craziest couple of ones that uh, when you had to choreograph uh, you know skits or whatever you want to call it can you remember a couple of them well, I, I, Evander Holyfield knocked me out at center ice. Or <laughs> I remember I, I that, one. that one up. So that one, that one was pretty cool. Then we did, 
we did like baseball when the World Series was going. We did March Madness. We did the Super Bowl, like with football. Um, we did like on Whalers night. We all acted like whales flopping out of the water. Like that was a stupid one. <laughs> like we did the fishing where like they we were like threw out a line and like hooked a fish and then yeah there was just it, there's some that you just shake your head at but um we ended up that year we hadn't won many games until christmas time and then we just started winning a ton of games and then it kind of just and then don cherry called us jerk for doing this and it kind of turned into this huge thing and um that first year it was just it was actually pretty fun to be a part of all of them how much is it uh superstitious was it back then too uh, I don't know if it was superstitious. It was more of more of a pain because we'd sit at pregame meal and think for an hour about <laughs> what we were gonna do, and you're just wanting to go home and have a nap, and you're having to hash out what what you're gonna what stupid thing you're gonna do on the ice after a win. But um, yeah, it, it, it was just it was its own thing and something that was it's just not sustainable. You can't think of that many things. <laughs> All right, well, that kind of brings me into my next question here. You're no stranger to the showtime. So uh, last week we were talking about Nickelback. Uh, they're going to be performing between the second and third at the Heritage Classic here at the end of the month. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always been a Nickelback fan from day one. I uh, Somewhere along the line it became cool to hate Nickelback. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, you're obviously a fan there. Um, saw you on social media. You got on stage with Nickelback for yeah. Rockstar. Uh, can you give us a little backstory on how that transpired? Yeah, well, I went to the show in Edmonton in June um, and kind of got hooked up with tickets, and then they gave me like an all-access kind of backstage thing and went up after the show and met the band manager, and then at the Edmonton show they did um, like a radio contest to, for a fan to go up and sing Rockstar, and then when I seen the band manager after the show... I said, when you guys come to Raleigh, I want to do that in Raleigh. And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course, I'll make it happen. But the deal was he wanted to go in our mascot's costume and shoot T-shirts out. Oh, and yeah. he's, nice. he, he told me if I, I could get that to happen, then I'd be able to go up on stage. And so I was begging our whole front office people to let somebody else wear the mascot costume, and they weren't going to let him do it. So I was... I up until like two or three days before the show, I didn't think it was actually going to happen because I couldn't fulfill my end of the bargain. But um, luckily, he he was okay with not wearing the mascot costume, and I still got to do it. So it was super, yeah, super fun. Right Obviously, big fan, and uh, yeah, it was it was a blast. So, do you know all the words off by heart for that song, or how did that yeah. work? Yeah. yeah. No, I do. Yeah, I, I I could have been three sheets of the wind and that song would have been clear, clear the bell. <laughs> you know, it's funny that I remember uh, when that video came out and Wayne Gretzky's in the video and uh, he was asked in an interview here uh, about his time, how he was asked about that too. So what was it, what is it about Nickelback that made you or makes you such a big fan of them? Well, it's just I'm being an Alberta kid, and I grew up in like two, like ninety nine to two thousand and whatever six is like they're that's where they were just spitting out hit after hit, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was just I listened. There, there was good music that you'd listen in the hockey dressing room, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just they're just good. It's just, you can sing along to every song. It's just it's unbeatable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you got a text in for uh, Jordan Martinuk, uh, let us know. one 401 1440 Just uh, want to go back. I know you got uh, pregame and all your nap and everything here, so thanks for taking the time and stuff. But uh, can you kind of touch on your AJHL days when you were in Drayton Valley, what that meant to kind of get your career vaulted to go to the Western League and then uh, after that? Yeah, um, obviously Drayton was, we didn't do a whole bunch of winning out there, but it definitely, I had a good coach, I had Fran Dow, and he kind of taught me um, what it, what I needed to do to kind of move on in, in my career, I guess, and um, had a really good year there, and um, lived with good people, and played on a good line, and then that kind of just jump-started me, and sent me to Vancouver, and then had an okay year my first year, and then second year was really good um and then ended up getting drafted as a 19 year old which doesn't happen a ton Mm -hmm. um and then yeah i ended up ended up playing pro at 20 so it was it was pretty crazy from 17 to 20 i had made it to to pro hockey yeah that's a a bit of a different path hey um like you said not many guys getting drafted at 19 I know I wanted to, and it didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you end up going second round. Um, what did you score, like 40 goals that year? What what kind of was the – what made things click between 18 and 19? Because I know you had a huge jump in goals. Was it confidence or just more opportunity or just maturing as a player? What was the key yeah, there? I, I think it was just got – yeah, I got confident. I kind of – I – figured out my I was I wasn't I guess super committed to like the work like training and working out and I felt like I had a that good summer that year I did a lot of off-ice work and then yeah it just kind of all all clicked and um then I I felt like I always had it there had it in me I just I hadn't shown it yet and um I played played with Gallagher for a bit that year and me and him played well with each other and then um, yeah, just, just, I don't know, something, something clicked and, uh, the rest is history. Jordan Martin is our guest on the Kevin Carey show with David Schlemko on sports 1440. Um, what took you to get to learn to be a pro then when you went down to Portland to get to the NHL, it was a couple of years down there. So what was the, that, that time period and that frame where you had to learn to get to the NHL? Well, I think it's just watching like some of the older guys and seeing, kind of their their habits and uh, the, going from junior to pro hockey and especially the American League is the American League is is an unbelievable league so you, it's definitely it was an eye opener for the first first year um, first year for sure I was like okay I this is this is a big change and you need to uh, you just kind of pick up on things it's the, the D I felt like I got told this in junior hockey that when you're moving up in levels, the defense just get better and better. And I never really thought about it. And then mm-hmm. my first year pro, it's like every you're not burning, you're not beating guys wide, you're not dangling through anybody. It's, you got to learn how to forecheck better. You got to learn how to turn like turnover pucks and have good sticks and all the little things that you kind of don't really think about when you're playing junior hockey is something that you really need to get better at or else you're not going to have any success hey uh, jordan thanks for doing this really appreciate your time on a game day and, and schlemmer says if you snipe a couple tonight you got to come on every day of a game day how's that sound 
Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a crazy superstitious guy, but if I put a couple in tonight, I'll be on uh, on Friday for sure. Okay, right sounds on, good. Buddy. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. good, Have a good day, guys. Yeah, appreciate your time. That's uh, Jordan Martin, a Carolina Hurricanes forward, uh, as the Canes take on. Ottawa tonight, and that's the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Uh, it doesn't really matter if there's snow on the ground yet. It's just uh, that the temperature change that matters more as a signal to change your tires. Pretty cool that he would come on on a game day. I guess, you know, you are doing interviews on game days. I don't think you're doing 10-minute interviews on a radio station uh, across the country. You might be doing some <laughs> stuff in the in the room. But pretty neat. Uh, so that's a good get on you, Schlemmer. Uh, you can tell you guys have obviously had some good times together and, and still stay in touch. Yeah, he's a great guy and uh, a really effective player too. Mm-hmm. Hard on the forecheck, plays the right way. So uh, he's a good leader there. I know he was a leader when he first went over from Arizona, kind of climbed into a new role with yeah. a really young team. And uh He's kind of taken off from there. Uh, text coming in. Uh, when is Schlemmer going to discuss my career in retirement from Thursday night hockey? That's from uh, Super Dave Kaisley. <laughs> and you say he's the worst player on the team, Kaisley was? He's not the, maybe not the worst. but He's, he's got to be uh, up there. He's one of the one of the slower, older guys out there now. Oh. When I first started playing, it was about half and half of like the old guys who started yeah. it in the 80s. And then like their kids are kind of like my age and... But Davo's still hanging around. He's still throwing the boots oh, on. Not a lot of talent in that body, though. It's hard <laughs> to tell. So. You must know him better yeah, than I do. I know, I know Kaisley enough that I can get away with saying that. Um, when we come back, we'll wrap things up with David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Uh, a lot more to come right after the break. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carey's David Schlemko, Sports 1440, 1043. In the city of champions, uh, I just, I haven't really seen the Jordan Martinuk video till just now. Oh yeah, I just looked it up. So you've watched it a lot of times when he was singing with Nickelback. So. Yeah, I watched it. I watched the whole thing last night. I saw like a clip of it on Instagram initially. So there's several to choose from—two minutes, six minutes. So, like, I mean, he's pretty good, I guess. You know, when you think about like this is that's not easy. No, he's that's out of your comfort there. zone. Yeah, he's dancing. I don't know, man. I don't know if I. I don't know if I'd be doing that. So I got to give him props. Were you, was this last week when I was telling the story about Nickelback? I don't know. The days blend in like it's the oh, same. About when you met Kroger and you had no. Well, you okay, were this is a true story. Completely <laughs> clueless okay. about who it the was guy at was. Stage thirteen around twenty three years ago, ballpark, yeah. and I forgot to mention the one part that. I, like again, I, I was overserved for three days. Oh, overserved <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I remember two nights I slept on a picnic bench with a bag of hot dog buns for a pillow. Wow. That's how bad it was. And anyway, I end up, because, you know, um, Josh Green, you know Greener, right? Yeah. Josh Green and Mike Comrie were hanging around, and it was right at that time they were with the Oilers. And so I hooked hooked up with these guys somehow and ended up backstage on the side of the stage with the Nickelback. So anyway, Unreal. so Kruger comes up and said, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. I watched ITV sports. Da, da, da. And I go, Oh, so what do you do here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm like the lead singer. So again, it's like 24 <laughs> or five years ago, just absolutely hopeless. That's just, a tough one. Well, sure it is. <laughs> Think about how embarrassing I would have been, but what do you do? <laughs> so what do you do here? I thought he was like a roadie or something. I don't know how she goes. Oh, that's a pretty good story. It is, yeah. Uh, Oilers uh, in action tonight. Uh, so game number one of the season. Did you like playing 
the first game of the season on the road or at home? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I really have a preference. It's fun playing at home in the home opener. I do believe it's important to get out on a road trip just for that bond and connection with uh, with the team, especially if you got a lot of new guys coming in. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's exciting to start at home. Do you feel there's, it's like they always say in playoffs, I'd rather start on the road. There's less pressure, things like that. Is that the same in the regular season or just making a big stink here? I think it's a little bit different in playoffs where you're coming in and you you can play a simple game and not have to worry about the fans or making any fancy plays, anything like that. Kind of maybe more a workman type mentality. But uh, I don't know, first game of the season is just... A lot of excitement, and like you could see in the games last night, it's a little bit loose. A lot of breakdowns, a lot of grade-A chances, so it's more about just kind of getting the kinks out and getting to your structure. I looked at the games uh, yesterday, especially, um, you know, like the Seattle game. Like, Seattle was way better for the first 10 minutes than Vegas. Yeah, they were. They came out hot, Um, but that was about it. Yeah, and then after, (laughs) again, as soon as they let that first goal in, they were done. It yeah, seemed. Vegas um, took over. The second goal, that was, I mean, Tanev with that goal that off his stick. And I don't know what he was thinking I, there. Man, yeah, I don't know either. That's pretty casual in front yeah. of your crease. He, and then he looks up to the stars, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Oilers, uh, penalty kill, or sorry, Oilers power play last year basically at a one for three clip. No one's ever seen anything like it. 32.4. Vancouver's penalty kill, 71.6, 32nd. Uh, if there's a storyline that uh, you can look at tonight, what do you see there? I mean, it's year to year. Right. How we, however, the Oilers have the same personnel. Canucks, similar personnel, almost the same. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting from a Vancouver standpoint. Uh, going through a whole camp with Rick Tockett and staff, and you know he's trying to kind of change the identity of that team, make them a little grittier, winning puck battles and. Just playing maybe more, just some more desperate style of hockey. So I think you're going to see a lot hungrier Vancouver team this year. Um, when you're talking about the Oilers' power play, it's that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't care who's killing. They just have so many weapons, and it's not your traditional kind of umbrella or one-three-one power play. It's they have so much movement. I mean, Connor can create so much just flying around the zone until something opens up or he might just walk through four guys and score. Yeah. I mean, he's just that dangerous. And you always got the dry side of one timer on his offside is just deadly. So I don't think it really matters who they're playing against on the kill. If they're feeling it and zipping it around, they're, they're going to get at least one or two. So what do you think teams have done in the off season as far as film goes, personnel goes to try to like, let's just say, Hey man, if we can get this down to like 24%, 23%, I mean, which is still insane or 25. Uh, what are, what do you think teams will do to try to negate a little bit of what the Oilers can do on the power play? Well, I think the biggest part for a, a good penalty kill is, is a good def- Doing a good job defending the entries. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to do when you're dropping it to McDavid how far back, but um, I think even if that F1 could kind of sit behind that D and try to take away the drop and just give him that four-on-three entry and try mm-hmm. and be aggressive at the line, that's, uh, that's a huge part of it because once they're set up, it's hard to be aggressive, especially on those two, uh, Connor and Leon, if you're yeah. trying to jump a pass and they beat you, it's bing bang boom in the back of the net so 
once they're set up, you know, eyes up, toes up at you, you, you got to respect the skill they have. So hard to be aggressive then. So I think uh, pressure on entries is a huge part against their power play. So Kevin Carey, David Schlemko, Sports 1440, 1049 in Edmonton. This F1, can you explain that a little bit more to our listeners as far as what you're cr- kind of trying to do and force them on that entry? Yeah, uh, well, a lot of teams work the drop now, either a single d- drop or a double drop where this, the D-man will skate it up to around center mm-hmm. ice and drop it back, and you're trying to gap out all four four checkers, right? So they're standing still, so you can't stay up at that line on the at that blue line on the entry. So what some teams will do is just have that F1 kind of come in behind the D-man and just try to take away that drop especially if it's someone like Connor or McKinnon, someone with a lot of speed that's able to easily skate it into the zone mm-hmm. when everyone's gapped out. So you, you see it sometimes uh, the F1 will sit back there and try and pick off the drop and maybe get a breakaway out of it once in a blue moon. But if I'm playing against McDavid, that's uh, probably going to be my plan is to try to keep it out of his hands on the on the breakout. I've been kind of saying that for a long time, Schlemmer, is a fact. Who do you want carrying the puck in, whether it be... I guess Bouchard right now would be doing that drop for the most part, would right. you say. So why not have that F1 almost right in Connor's back pocket and let Bouchard carry the puck in? Right. I mean... I mean, if they're doing the double drop, he could go to the other guy and yep. they could potentially kick it over to Mick David but um, I think anything you can do to keep it out of his hands <laughs> really did you notice I mean I, I'm not sure how many uh, games you were really able to analyze the power play in the preseason I kind of noticed a couple little shorter pass plays that uh, once they established the zone time uh, once they kind of got near let's just say the goal line a couple little bumper passes but not to the bumper up high maybe a little closer to the net is that something maybe the Oilers will have to, if teams are going to adjust on them as far as coverage goes? Right. Is that something a little like an option for them? Yeah, I mean, they do a really good job of using that bumper as well. Um, maybe running a few more low plays, mm-hmm. uh, looking to the back door, the back door flanker, or, um, or yeah, maybe that bumper's moving in a little lower to the slot on the yeah. low pass. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, real, real kind of tighter to the net and maybe just a real quick, I mean, it was a couple of them were like a backhand pass, but not like similar to that backhand that Leon would take the backhand shot or whatever, or take that backhand yeah. pass. So something just a little different where it was a quicker uh, pass where they weren't maybe going around the horn, so to speak. Yeah, just getting inside of that uh, of that box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got a lot of weapons. Like I say, they yeah. move it they move it around so well, and the they have movement with all their players too. It's not like they have the set spots, you know, where they kind of just stand around and. And dish, uh, mm-hmm. all those spots seem to be interchangeable, and that uh, makes it really hard to defend. It does. Um, like, did you notice too in the Bedard game last night that uh, I think it was Achari a lot, uh, really cheating out, cheating out, like more so. Like, I mean, it seemed like Ovi doesn't get that, wasn't getting that much, but Bedard was getting a lot of it last yeah, night. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't, <laughs> they didn't want to give up that Bedard <laughs> first career goal on their PK, I yeah. guess, because he, he really was cheating out on him especially in that first power play in the yeah. first period. I don't notice that too. They were high for sure, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he, he's going to be able to get those shots away. Like, again, we were talking about earlier, he had 11 shot attempts, Bedard, and then five shots on goal. So some of them are going to they're going to start getting through for sure. Oh, yeah. He's got a wicked release. And what was it, 11 shot attempts, 12, uh, something yeah, like that? Yeah, 11 so. shot attempts. He had five shots on goal, played 21-29, had one assist, and was, as you mentioned, two for 13 in the draws. Yeah, he's all around it, though. 
Like, and of course, and without question, um, without question, his welcome to the NHL moment is Kelly Sutherland saying, <laughs> "Hi, Connor. Welcome to the NHL." Yeah, I mean, maybe it was taking a draw against Sidney Crosby. <laughs> oh, no. Duke, you got Oh, look at that. I, I love how Kevin's impression of uh, the officials have changed throughout the entirety of this show. It started off with like a deep voice impression, and now it's like as if it's a clown at the state fair or something. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, okay, let's be honest, okay? Since Schlemmer came in here, that's kind of when we started getting at that, right, Duke? Yeah. About, well, I'd say quarter to nine. I'd say it's probably... 60-40 on the text line that are in favor of my stance here. Is that yeah. fair, Duke? Me or maybe even higher, 70-30. It's it's yeah, there's a few more than a few people calling you uh to quote the a one grumpy, text a grumpy yeah. old man or yelling at clouds whatever, but uh plenty of people on your side as well and Thank you. A lot, I, of, I, a lot I of grumpy old yeah. listeners too. Wait. I said it right at the top. I was on your <laughs> yeah. side. I think it's cheesy as well. Wait till I next week we're going to tell the Kelly Sutherland story. Uh, with Chris Cawhill, who's the Oilers' kind of head of security. Okay. I'll tell that story, and then there's there's another one where you're going to go, man, Karius, you are an idiot. Because that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened, and you're, you're going to go. I'll never say that. Yes, a lot of people are saying it, for sure. Uh, hey, thanks to uh, all our guests today. David Amber from Sportsnet. Talk about a shift. The Duke had a big shift yesterday. David Amber, a big one yesterday, gets to put his uh, feet up and watch all seven Canadian teams in the NHL tonight. Danny Machocha, Montreal Alouettes GM. Uh, Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice. And then we had G. Roy Simon, Elevate Our Game. Uh, elevate Your Game. G. Roy Simon, the Elks assistant GM. David Schlemko is our guest uh, co-host here, 9 to 11 every uh, Wednesday. Thanks to uh, Schlemmer for lining up uh, Jordan Martinuk from the Carolina Hurricanes. Adam Surgery uh, in the community. Uh, uh, joined us at 10 o'clock. And uh, Nick Cosminer from The Athletic covering the Denver Broncos. Well, 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 isn't it a pleasure to see? Coming up at 11 o'clock on Fantasy Frenzy, the former Rosh T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delbert and Brandon Douglas will be there from 11 to 12 talking all things football and probably some hockey, I guess, as things get underway uh, locally with the Oilers and the Canucks. Um, at 12 o'clock, low down with low tide. And then at 2 o'clock, Jason Greger takes us home on Sports 1440. Hey, thanks to all our listeners this morning. We'll see you bright, back in early Brighton at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a great day. Coming up here, the Duke with a sports update.